Hello and welcome to this week's very festive edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast with the Canaries flying high at the top of the table. Five wins on the spin, a clean sheet and a 2-0 home win over Cardiff in front of 2,000 fans. If it wasn't for all this COVID stuff in the background, we could all be perfectly happy at the moment, couldn't we? But we'll uh, we'll try not to get too deep into all that sort of stuff. I am your host, Dave Freezer. You can also hear us on Future Radio 107.8 FM. And I'm joined by Paddy Dabbitt and Connor Southwell, as ever, to look back on what, Paddy, I think was just a, a very enjoyable afternoon, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know whether it's the fatalist in me, but you, you're expecting this can't keep going on, Norwich are going to get yeah. pegged back, even today, Saturday, when Sean Morrison's rising for those free kicks and corners, you think it's going to, they're going to concede it, and both today and over this period and over the season as a whole, they're um, they're proving that whatever answers or whatever questions are asked, they do have the answers, and it doesn't matter what the opponent is, seemingly, the style that they're facing, um, the situations they find themselves in, um, it is phenomenal, really. I don't think that's overstating what, what they've done to this point. Um, by the end of the podcast, we should be in situation because the games the rest of the Saturday afternoon are ongoing, but um, it, it looks incredibly healthy now in terms of gaps to third, gaps to seventh, um, how many points they've got on the board. That's what Daniel continuously is talking about in this spell, not about leagues positions per se it's about points and I think is that 43 from 20 yep, that's the one. Um, and on the two points per game metric that they always say is the benchmark for promotion then it it, it is a, a level of consistency in terms of points which is uh, well even at this at this stage I feel they're looking unstoppable and and it can only go one way for me because the injured players are now coming back. We've seen today's game lit up by Emi Buendia and Todd Cantwell particularly coming back from injury. You've got Dowell coming on off the bench. Um, Hugel had a little uh, taste of it as well. And, you know, there's still Barley Mumba. There's still Sam Byron we haven't seen at all. Onel Hernandez, Adam Eder, um, Tim Krull, uh, Lucas Rupp didn't get on today after coming back from hamstring injury. <laughs> you have to say, if the only... Danger is twofold. Is any complacency within the camp, which I don't see under Farkas stewardship, he wouldn't allow that to happen. And then the only other uh, cloud is the January transfer window and what that might mean in terms of destabilising Buendia, Aaron's Cantwell. Those two aside, I don't think there's anything in this division, seemingly, that can stop Norwich's inexorable march back to the Premier League. Yeah, well, there's the headline. They're looking unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think what's making this feel... I suppose better, but strange and surreal as well, Connor, is that we spent so much of this year talking about negativity and doom and gloom and strangeness and the you know the whole unprecedented spell when the, the season was suspended and then the 10-game slump back to the championship and stuff. To, to have gone from one extreme to the other is making this feel, yeah, quite strange for me. It is, it's very surreal at the minute, yeah. Um... And what they've what they've done really, and and I don't know if maybe the lack of fans has helped, but they've turned what was a a fairly embarrassing Premier League relegation into a side that looks full of resilience and looks like it can cope with what was a very 
physical Cardiff side today as well. And there was a clear gulf, I thought, between the two sides on the pitch. One looked like it, it, it should have been in a higher division than the other. Um, and, and that has kind of been a theme that we've seen throughout this season so far. And, and that's shown Norwich have played all the sides bar what Watford, Barnsley and QPR and sit top of the league with, with 43 points. So it's a very healthy position. And, and you're right, it, it's been slightly strange because it's all this positivity and all this so far success has come uh, in sort of a, a backdrop of, of real negativity in terms of the world and in terms of obviously supporters not being able to be there in in full capacity and whatnot but it, it might be helping Norwich that maybe it just means the noise is a little bit quieter and um, it's keeping people in terms of supporters grounded and, and, and whatnot because the aim isn't for Norwich City in, in supporters' heads, in some supporters' heads, it won't be about Norwich City getting back to the Premier League. It'll be about them getting back to watch Norwich City. And I think that's helping a little bit. And maybe the connection is, is becoming a bit stronger. But in terms of on the pitch, they're, they're doing a wonderful job. And they all deserve a lot of credit because they took a lot of stick after relegation. And um, there's, as I said, a, a lot of resilience in the side, which maybe we, we didn't see. Um, well, we haven't really seen. Uh, even, even in there was some resilience in the title winning side, but maybe not as much as they're showing now. Um, there just looks like there's some serious levels to this Norwich side, and I, I would argue they're probably not even in top gear yet. <laughs> yeah, and there is still that very real possibility. But but by the time we get a full house at Carrow Road again, they're back in the Premier League, which is going to be, if that is what comes to pass, it's going to be incredibly strange uh, for a lot of people who were there on that day. Um, and you list the, that they've nearly played everyone as well, and we can point out that they've that they've already been to Bournemouth, Bristol City, Brentford, Middlesbrough, Stoke. Uh, they only lost at Bournemouth. They drew at Brentford and won the other three. So if they can go and win at Watford on Boxing Day as well, then they are going to be in a heck of a position. Now we're recording uh, towards the end of um, the other Championship games, the three pm kickoffs, and Connor's keeping uh, keeping an eye on that. Um, so. Um, when, once things are finished, um, we'll come to you on that. But uh, as things stand, Norwich are seven points clear of Swansea in third and five points clear of Bournemouth who are still drawing. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on, on that. Also, sort of just before we, we started recording, Boris Johnson has been holding his government press conference uh, with the news about the uh, new tiers and all the new restrictions on Christmas and things like that for the country. So um, we don't know the full extent of what that will mean yet. As we record, it sounds like things things aren't really changing for Norfolk. Um, but, and in terms of football, who knows? We'll probably have to let that all settle down. So we'll, we'll stick to the football for, for the time being. Um, a clean sheet, Pad, in amongst... Because um, we're going to eulogise about how good the attacking play was, I'm sure, throughout this. But a clean sheet for Michael McGovern... Um, that was uh, the, a first in seven games, only a sixth of the season. And they, Cardiff are an ugly team, I think. And, and they, they bombarded that Norwich goal because they knew that they weren't as good. They sort of went into the game knowing that, that Norwich are going to play around them and play through them. So they just tried to go old school. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you assume that is how Neil Harris has set them up. Very one-dimensional. It's basically play off the very big towering presence of Glatzel up front, the German lad, and uh, second balls. And then, obviously, as we mentioned at the start, you know, you've got Harry Wilson, who has a bit of quality about him. Liverpool low knee. You get him on set pieces, corners, free kicks. And talking about the clean sheet, talking about Michael McGovern, um, fantastic save. Yeah, uh, it was. Absolutely. The second one from Sean Morrison, which was, uh, I think it was the second phase from a Cardiff corner. Um Having already denied the same player uh, from a from a Wilson free kick, but this one was point blank reaction stuff, and um, you know there was a lot of 
let's be honest, disquiet, or not disquiet, but um, concern maybe amongst the Norwich fan base when Krull limped off at Stoke uh, with that thigh problem. Um, but that's seven and a half games and only one defeat, and that was Luton. And really, you couldn't lay that at McGovern's door. They were very colourless and lifeless that night as a team. And uh, if it turns out that Tim Krull's fit and available for Watford on Boxing Day and we don't see Michael McGovern again and they get to where it looks like they're heading, which is back to the Premier League, Let's not underestimate how good Michael McGovern was in this spell, a crucial phase of the season. And, uh, you know, he's more than merited um, all the words that Daniel Farker said about he won't let anybody down, the professionalism he's got. We, we know he's a good shot stopper. I don't think he's been uh, too bad with the ball at his feet as well, which was probably the biggest concern going into this spell. Uh, clearly, he's not as comfortable as Tim Krul is. You know, Airy Lee probably doesn't command his area as well because he's not as tall a keeper as Tim Krul. But overall... Um, you know, and and it was it would be fitting if today is his final game and he's dipped back out again that he finishes with a clean sheet because uh, he deserved that for you know a very reassuring presence in this seven and a half games. Yeah, and uh, I, I think Kenny McLean as well is another one who needs uh, a bit of a shout out today for um, maybe didn't make too much in terms of headlines, but you know he set up the the Buendia opener, but I thought he was really good in my ratings that I do in the video verdict on the Pink and YouTube after the game. I gave. Campwell and Buendia are a nine and uh, McLean, Hanley and Zimmerman an eight and there was a crucial block from Zimmerman at one nil as well when Joe Rawls had turned into the box so um, but let's um, let's kick it off throw it in have a little <laughs> no let's kick it off uh, Connor with um, the praise for Campwell and Buendia because it was kind of their show wasn't it but um, Buendia six goal of the season and a lovely strike and he, he he's just in such a nice rhythm at the moment isn't he he is, and, and I remember being stood pitch side at, at Dean Court in September, listening to, to Daniel Farker, um, really criticise those two players yeah. and uh, for, for maybe not showing what he wanted to show in training, for getting their head turned a little bit by the transfer window. And I mean, it's just three months down the line. It goes to show how how right they called that. And um, certainly at the moment, Emi Buendia is... Uh, I mean, to, to be completely honest, and, and this, of course, obviously we're, we're glad he's an Norwich City player, but it's a it's a travesty that he's playing championship football because it's, he's far <laughs> too good for it and it's almost like a playground for him, really. Um, and, and having Buendia and Campwell and I throw Pukki and Aarons into that as well, it's a bit like having a cheat code, really, at, at this level. Um, and, and Buendia, for me, is, uh, is, is streets ahead of, of anyone else in this league. Um, he's not just the best player in it, he's the best player, I think, by quite some distance. And... Obviously, the concern with that is that January's on the horizon and the uncertainty that maybe that could throw up again. But you'd hope now, with the position as it currently stands, that, that, that the temptation maybe to go and play elsewhere is, is lessened um, by, by the fact that the Premier League is, is almost starting to appear on the horizon again. So that should help. But I thought they were, I thought they were brilliant today. They, there was a nice moment sort of at the end where Buendia curled a shot wide, but it came from those two just exchanging passes and... Um, they looked like they were having fun and they had a smile yeah. on their face and it, yeah. it, it was it was brilliant. It was like two kids playing. It was, what I'd compare it to is it was like two older sort of schoolboys playing against a, a bunch of year sevens, really, <laughs> where they just kept the ball between themselves. It was kind of like that. Um, but it, I'm, I'm really pleased for, for Todd as well because he's had to take, I think, a lot of hard knocks this season and maybe he's had to wrestle with himself a little bit and, and how he thinks. Um, and I thought he was excellent today, and 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 that's probably a testament to the the hard work that maybe he's put in behind the scenes in the in the last few weeks and the wake up call that he's had. But um, 
they were brilliant. And it just proves that Norwich are a much better team when they have those two fit and firing. Um, and, and, and when they are in, in, the, in the form that they're in, as Bandir is, five goals in seven, when Campwell pops up like he does like that, no, no team really in this level, at this level is going to be able to stop them. And that's the reality. And um, I've seen a few people suggest the season could get defined by holding on to those two in January. And uh, it certainly does feel like that's the case because the quality they have at, at this level is unrivaled, I think, by, by anyone. The one thing with January, with all those, uh, as far as I see it, with Buendia, with Cantwell, with Aaron's, etc., is that if anyone's going to come in in January, it's got to be big money because Norwich don't need the money. They're stable. Um, so, you know, Buendia, what, what are you talking? No, Norwich fans would be fuming if he went for less than 30 million at the moment, wouldn't they? So, um, and, and equally, anybody in the Premier League relegation mix, is Emmy going to go into that, given that Norwich are... On on course, they you, you know we can't avoid it now. They are on course to go back to the Premier League if they continue doing what they're doing. With what we've all said is that you know we think there's still more in the tank as well. So um, we'll see. January might end up end up being a bit of a non-event because unless somebody um, who's got Premier League stability or Wolves or something like that come calling and offer a big fee, then it's not really going to be a, a major problem. Um, but Cantwell, Paddy, I, I, he got my man of the match just because I thought. Well, A, Buendia did get a bit riled by Cardiff. They did get into him eventually. They gave him a bit of rough treatment, didn't they? And he, you know, he's living dangerously a couple of times when he, you know, nearly reacted, but didn't quite. Um, but his assist for Todd's goal was brilliant. And, and the the meaning that Todd put behind that strike was great. You could see it meant a great deal to him. But I thought his general play and how hard he worked, I felt like this was almost like him... Uh, reintroducing himself to to the Norwich fans, saying, "This is what I can do. This is how I'm developing. This is the direction my career is going." Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a continuation of what we saw at Reading in that second half cameo. I thought he was, him and Dal, but more so Cantwell, was excellent at Reading, um, and that was kind of you, you're hearing things from Farker or Webb or whatever inside the camp that yeah, the focus is really back there. And, and to take Connor's point, you know, the whole destabilizing few months he went through no doubt um, because you know I thought Daniel was good on this topic on Friday actually yesterday before the game when he said you know you go back to the summer and before a ball has been kicked or really very early in the season those players are thinking well hang on you know this team have come out of the Premier League are they going to be able to rouse themselves and come again there was there was so many imponderables that early in the season um, and of course you know those players Cantwell more so I felt probably felt he'd done enough to earn or re- return back to the Premier League um, a bit sooner than Norwich were going to do because uh, you know he, he, his showreel was more than good enough to, to underline there's a young English player who can in time be a very 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 decent performer at Premier League level but as Daniel said on Friday roll it on now and you you look at it and a the sort of clubs who might have been getting linked with them in the summer. Are they a better bet now than Norwich? Norwich romping away with a championship come January, given that Norwich might at that stage only be four months from getting back to the Premier League themselves. So um, two months at this rate. <laughs> well, yeah, I know the way they're going. Yeah, Easter. Yeah, but uh, so that the whole mood around what might happen in January, I think, has changed for a, for a Todd Cantwell, particularly as we're discussing him at the moment, and uh, you can you can just see in this uh, game and a half now, Reading and, and today against Cardiff, that, you know, he's he's really enjoying his football. His focus is there. And and he's just letting his football do the talking. You know, all the other extraneous stuff going on around him or his agent or his family or whatever, in terms of where he might 
end up eventually, whether it's January or whether it's Windows Future. Forget about that. Just go out and play, as Max Ahrens did all through that period when he was getting some seriously big clubs linked to him and obviously Barcelona even picked up the phone to Norwich. Um, never did his performance levels dip and I think Todd, you would think, because he's quite an intelligent lad, he's probably looked at that and saw and Max has handled that and maybe thought, yeah, I need to maybe go down the same route and there is no doubt whatsoever that Todd Cantwell in that form is absolutely going to beast the rest of the championship uh, in tandem with Emi Buendia because, you know, the ability he's got and and just the growth that is there in his game because he's still a very young man. It's only really his probably second full season um, in terms of English football. Uh, the, the potential is is vast and the only thing that will stop him reaching his potential is him, really. So you would just hope that now maybe he's gone through that period, he's come out the other side, uh, learnt a few lessons and now we're just going to see, show what he is, which is a very, very talented young football player. That leads in perfectly to us hearing from the man himself, the Prince of Deerham, the Deerham Deco, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Uh, I had a chat with him after the game. Here's a, here's a couple of clips from that interview. I, I did really realise that, you know, having the time out and, and with injuries to reflect, you know, I absolutely love football and just being out there and playing, it's it's fun for me. I, I do genuinely enjoy it and uh, I hope you can see that when I play like I did today. The goal, Todd, was that uh, your best one yet? Is it better than the Man United one? Um, I don't know. To be fair, I've not really had time to, to watch it back. Uh, <laughs> I just obviously picked my head up and, and thought I'm going to have a shot here and uh, yeah, I hit it pretty well to be fair. That tackle at the end, I've got to ask you, were you surprised to see only a yellow card? I was, I was surprised to only see a yellow card, I knew it was coming. Um, obviously there was a lot of frustration from their end and obviously uh, Harry hadn't had much of the ball so I, I could always see it coming but I was surprised to, uh, luckily it didn't hurt me but it definitely could have so yeah, I was surprised it wasn't a red. Okay. Um, obviously, the Bournemouth game was the one where everything sort of came to a head, wasn't it? And, and the, the boss is about to walk past, sort of um, said what he said about you and Emmy. Um, after that all happened, was it a case of just really sitting down, having time to think about what was going on? Because obviously the injuries and things like that, did you really have to sort of put a lot of thought into what you want to, your sort of next steps from that stage? Yeah, I think a reflection period is always important. Um, Obviously, ideally, you wouldn't want to do that during a season, but that, that's how it panned out. Um, everything that's that's gone on is now behind me. Um, and like I said earlier, you know, you've got to use everything you've learnt um, to project you forward. And I feel like that's that's what I'm definitely definitely aiming to do. Playing with Emmy as well. I mean, we saw you two linking up, and when you're both in full flow, I guess you've got the confidence that is at this level because you've both done it before that you you can express yourself. 100%. Um, you know, I love playing with Emmy. He's, he sees the same passes that I like to see and you know we, we have a pretty similar idea of what, what we want to do and you know I think at moments when, when Emmy's playing like he is and you know it brings everyone's level up as well, do you know what I mean? So I think me and him linking up together is a, a, a frightening sight to be fair. Okay, so um, for those who didn't see my column ahead of the game, this is one of the best ever starts to a season in the club's history. 1950-51, they've kept pace with that, which was a Division 3 South campaign, to be fair. Uh, But if they win at Watford, it will be the best opening 21 games 
ever in a in a season in the club's history. Um, the other one that was in the mix, they've surpassed the ninety two ninety three team, which of course was Premier League, so that does still carry a heck of a lot of weight. Uh, was the nineteen seventy one seventy two campaign, which is when they were first promoted uh, to the top flight for the first time. They were level on points with that uh, ahead of today, and I think that's still the case. But I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head now. So, Connor, how much praise does Daniel Farker? deserve for I think we're we're seeing him develop as a coach in terms of it's not necessarily obvious but the confidence that he has in his ability and his experiences in his fourth season in England now the way he played the Buendia and Campwell situation has, has worked hasn't it his substitutions are working this year I think that you know there was already a lot of love in in the room for, for Daniel Farker amongst Norwich fans but he is really doing the business at the moment and, and showing perhaps why Stuart Webber came out with those quotes that you know that Daniel will one day manage in the Champions League yeah absolutely and, and you mentioned kind of the support he had that was questioned a little bit I felt towards the end of the Premier League where those performances were just just consistently pretty poor and, and maybe supporters were beginning to question whether he had the desire maybe even to, to head back down into the championship and, and mould the squad again but he's, he's, he's done exactly that and I think with the benefit of hindsight and where Norwich City currently sit you can say they've managed that relegation in that opening portion of the season where teams tend to have what you describe as the hangover cliched um, and, and, and they've managed that period pretty well actually um, and, and that's a credit to them and, and again it's not as sort of free-flowing I think as, as we saw last time around but he's kind of adapted to the fact that there are going to be increased expectations and teams are going to set up a little bit differently and I mean even even the schedule is is relentless this year and Norwich have still won 13 of, of, of their 20 fixtures it's it's incredible um, and, and yeah he does deserve a lot of credit because I think there there were a lot of questions to be thrown at him towards the end of, of last season um, and, and he's really answered them and He's proven, as you say there, he can adapt as a coach and he can adapt his, his team. I think there was a, a lot of last season where you looked at the, at the Norwich side and felt this wasn't quite balanced. And there's been a lot more times, even even this afternoon, with, with McLean and Skip in the middle, Rancic as well. It, it kind of felt a lot more balanced. It, it kind of feels like he's, um, he's adapting to opposition a, a, a little bit more now as well. And that's what really intelligent coaches do. They're, they're proactive with, with how they change things. Um, it's, it's the reason... Pep Guardiola is is where he is and has has, has won as many trophies as he has, but he deserves a lot of credit because it's not it wasn't an easy job. There were players that needed their heads lifted, as as we've spoken about already. There were players that wanted to go elsewhere, and and he's managed to to keep them all together. And not only that, but to produce a a, a really slick side that wins football matches, and and that primarily is is the job. And I don't think it's been, as I said, as dominant or as pretty as maybe as it was two years ago. But they are grinding out results a little bit and you need to do that in this, in this division even even Marcelo Bielsa's leads last season and all the credit they got for the style of football they they played they won a lot of games by a one goal margin that's what you need to do at this level and um, there was that quote going around uh, on, on social media because of the whole Sheffield United situation and his assessment of teams that, yeah. that do better in the Premier League and even that I, I felt was kind of spot on so um, it was it was a, a big thing actually for Norwich to stick faith with him because I'm not sure any other club would have in in that situation to be completely truthful um, and and so far so good he's repaying that trust and it's good to see the Farker waves back. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think there are very many clubs at all that would have been able to stomach ten defeats in a row, and that was a club record. And there were a lot of Norwich fans who found that very, very difficult to deal with. Understandably, that was a horrible time, wasn't it? As we, as we full well know, and and you know, 
we we look into the eyes of the players and, and Farker and stuff uh, on a regular occasion and you could see how much it was hurting them and how much they wanted it all to be over so they could get on with things. But to, to carry on that theme, Pad, how, just how impressed have you been with with the work that Daniel's done in, in terms of when you think about the injuries and, you know, playing Sorensen at left back and things like that, that, that he's managed to get things going to this extent, extent and, and set up the, the opportunity of a promotion push. Uh, it's still probably a little bit too early for us to be, you know, talking about it with any certainty that they've now given themselves that foundation to go and, and have a crack at it, haven't they? But, yeah, just how impressive you, have you been? Well, you, you two boys just there have hit the nail on the head. He, he has evolved as a coach since he came to England, and I think he would be the first to say that, and I have heard him say it in the past, you know, that, that the minute you stop willing to accept that you don't know everything and that there aren't things that you can learn is probably the moment you, you're going to start going backwards, whether that's a coach, as a player, whatever, um, sporting director. And... You know, he will have obviously done a lot of soul searching after the back of that Premier League season and how it ended, and um, it, it is a testament to him and him as a character that you know, a he was up for the challenge because, you know, you lads rightly are saying, well, Norwich could have pulled pulled the pulled the trigger on that, but ultimately he might have walked away as well as Wagner did in slightly certain different circumstances, but when he felt he'd taken Huddersfield as far as he could in that second Premier League season, um, no, he was willing to. Whether it was a well, I I took them down. I need to put things right here. Some would say, well, you didn't really need to because there's so much credit in the bank from what he did the season before. Um, but it is a testament to to the guy that uh, not only he's a very good coach, but he's also a very good man manager of players. And uh, you know, to bring Cantwell back on side, Buendia, um, you know, the Sorensen thing you referenced there. I mean. I remember him saying when that happened in the warm-up at Brentford and Javi Quintilla was pulled out, he said, no, we'll go with Jacob Sorensen. And his coaches basically looked at him in the dressing room at Brentford that night and almost like, are you sure about this? Because, uh, you know, they clearly yeah. didn't, didn't feel that was going to be the right call. So that's also brave as well in terms of a, a guy who makes a decision and there might not be universal agreement even within his coaching circle who are his trusted lieutenants, but he still backed himself and I think over the entire piece this season, he's backed himself and he's got more right than wrong. And as a result of that, you know, Norwich are where they are. So, yeah, those players need to take a huge amount of credit. But, you know, the guy leading them is um, is a bit special. And uh, I think Norwich are very fortunate to have him. And, you know, as he said, you know, when, when they got up uh, two seasons ago, he had opportunities to leave before the Premier League season. But he really does have a deep affinity and connection with this place. Um, and... Some might think, well, you know, that's sound bites and words. But I, I think now, if we, if we look at where he is and where Norwich are, he does clearly feel quite a, a deep uh, and lasting connection. And that is very rare, um, certainly in the top end of the game. Um, so for me, um, yeah, we don't, we can't really call it right yet because we're not even at the halfway point. But it is hard to see them tailing away to the extent where they won't end up where they probably deserve to this season. And if they do, and we look back in May and Daniel Farker has led Norwich to two promotions out of the Championship, then for me, he ranks up there with any other manager who's ever been at this football club. Yeah, I mean, if, if he finishes the job, it's going to be arguably a bigger achievement than what they managed in 2019 because 
to bounce back from such a painful Premier League hangover would be incredibly impressive. But, of course, that is a massive if in bold typeface at this stage. Right, let's hear a little bit from the man himself, Daniel Farkas, chat with Paddy after the game. <laughs> One defeat in 16, um, top at Christmas. As it stands, I know there's fixtures this afternoon, nine points clear a third. Just give us your initial assessment of that performance and obviously what your team are doing now at this stage. Yes, I'm pretty sure after after all the games I played, there's not a nine nine point gap. But uh, yeah, can't hide that I'm pretty pleased today with our uh, our recent form and also with the game today. It's never easy when you have to deliver uh, all three days and also quick turnaround after the game on Wednesday. Difficult uh, away game and uh, we arrived more or less in the early hours of Thursday morning back at Colney. The the lads were were tired. We still have several players injured, also key players uh, injured, and then to deliver uh, again so close after the last uh, really massive win uh, with this performance um, and also this maturity in our performance is, is pretty pleasing. So we uh, were able today to to play against the side who was also on fire. Yeah, Five wins out of six, but uh, our game management was, was really good today. We scored two fantastic goals. If I want to criticize something, then that we could have been uh, even a bit more effective in using our chances because we created so many out of all topics, yeah, out of counter attacks, out of set plays, out of good position play over the wings through the center. So uh, I think our game management and also our, our position structure and and uh, our possession was was really good. Um, we returned back to the to the dressing room with a clean sheet, so definitely a really good uh, all round performance. They were still dangerous with all their set pieces, so I got the feeling we gave especially in the first half and the beginning of the second part, uh, half, a few too many uh, away, but I have to say, so uh, we defend all of them quite, quite concentrated and, uh, and focused and yeah, I can't complain too much today. I'm sure you've been asked already, clearly it is a team performance, but you have to do focus on maybe Cantwell and Buendia, those two today. Just give us your assessment of their performance. Yes, two, two good performances, uh, no doubt, no doubt about, about this. So Emmy uh, since since weeks in a in top class shape, and he delivered today again with a with a great goal, with a great assist, and and um, really was a top performance for the team in terms of pressing, counter pressing, good ideas in possession. He he was unbelievably sharp, and uh, also Todd, I got the feeling so since he returned back on the training pitch after his his injury, he was totally focused, and that's quite important. After injury, it's not like you press a button one day back in training and you're immediately there. It's more like you work hard and, and to earn the right to start again. And this is what he, what he did on the training pitch and also in his short-term appearance. His first appearance was about 50 minutes. He looked already quite sharp. Then 25 minutes, good performance last game, 45 minutes. And today I got the feeling, okay, right now he's ready to, to start the game. Um, wasn't sure if he can really play for 90 minutes, but um, he delivered more or less all 90 minutes really with a concentrated performance. Also pretty, pretty focused, hard work for the team. A great goal, could have done even in one or two scenes, even a, a bit better. But also he created many chances with, with through passes to Timo. Was pretty pleased and delighted with his performance. But it's, it's like for all the team, so it's it's important um, not just to deliver one good game or one, one good week anyhow, so to show this really with consistency and uh, this is what we have to do as a team further on this is also what what emmy and Todd have to do but each and every player has to do and uh, but uh, nevertheless i'm pretty delighted and happy with their performance from true crime to football brexit to folklore for more great podcasts from archant head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archant okay so yeah the um 
the the fact doing the rounds is that 11 of the last 12 teams top of the championship on Christmas Day have gone on to be promoted. So we will see whether that comes to pass. Right, Connor, I'm going to give you a big chance here. Yeah, as if you were on BBC Final Score, do your best, uh, what was his name, uh, the good old boy? James Alexander Gordon, wasn't it? Um, who I think has passed, isn't he, in, in recent years. But um, here's your chance. Let us know what the championship scores were and where Norwich's position is now looking in the table. It looks even better after after those results. So Bournemouth have, have drawn nil-nil with, with Luton. That's the final score. Uh, Swansea move up to third. They're now on 36 points, which my maths isn't great, but that creates a seven-point seven gap. Yeah, and it's now five to Bournemouth in second as well. Um, and it's now 10 points uh, from from seventh as well. Watford lost two nil today, so they're down to fifth. Brentford up to fourth. They beat Reading three uh, one. Middlesbrough um, occupying sixth position. They won four uh, one as well today. Is that Reading out of the top six then? Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, it is. They've they've dropped to eighth. So even even more so with with those results, uh, it's it's a, a very merry Christmas. You might even say uh, that that Norwich could be heading up to tier one very soon. Oh, <laughs> wait! You're just lucky you haven't got a squeezing and what is it? Four five four East five five. <laughs> that was that was that's the big one. My mate actually, who I lived with at, at uni, um, did that once when he was uh, I think he was a teenager. He won a competition to go on BBC Final Score and do, and read out the results um, on whatever Saturday it was. And uh, like, actually, real live. Uh, I think I don't think he went out live. I think he recorded it at the same time, and then as long as it went well, they then played out some of it after. But he's got it. He's literally got it on a videotape. But it was that long ago. <laughs> it was before DVDs. And but he did. He did a really good job. To be fair to. Um, anyway, I digress. Uh, Timu Puki. Uh, there was a, a nice story which didn't quite come off today, wasn't there, Pad? Um, his wife giving birth on the eve of the game, and. Um, <laughs> he came so close to scoring, didn't he? The one when Campwell uh, put him through in the second half, it was so funny because Todd collapsed to the ground in dis- disbelief because that was bread and butter for Timu Puki, wasn't it? And he made a mess of it. And Todd was thinking, I've got an absolute world-class assist here because it was a beautiful pass, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And to be fair, that was a reprise of... Uh, there was a first-half movement, very similar, yeah. where it... He just took the ball in, but he was already on the move. Lovely body swerve, got him the space, and then he's played it down the side of a defender. And for that man in the form he's in, you thought that's going in the bottom corner. But uh, and there was another one, wasn't there, where he ran through just after the start of the second half and and went for the uh, sort of uh, chip, world class chip, which yeah. it would have been if it had gone in. So yeah, he writes a lot of his own scripts today. Not quite the script he was hoping for, because I'm sure we'd have been seeing the old rocking the cradle or th- <laughs> thumb sucking celebration. But we'll save that one for Watford, shan't we? Boxing Day. Absolutely. Who, as you just said, kind of lost. So um, on a little bit of a downturn since they won Manager of the Month. Actually, mm-hmm. I mean that might be might be the curse coming back there. Um, I can't actually remember the name of their manager. Vladimir Ivic, Ivic is it? Yeah. 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 I don't really know a great deal about it, to be honest. I wouldn't criticise him to his face, put it that way. He's, no? Yeah, he looks, looks hard as nails. He's got the look of a sort of Bond yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bad guy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, but I'm sure we'll find out more about him uh, ahead, of, uh, ahead of the Boxing Day game. Um, but yeah, that that's going to be uh, that's going to be a, a real test. But Norwich just aren't going to be afraid of anyone at the moment, are they? Because because they've got that backbone. You know, Ollie Skip is sort of going under the radar almost a little bit, isn't he? But he's he's been so consistent, and you know, a lot of people have asked the question: Could he stay? And, and the only way you can see that would be if Norwich got promoted, maybe stay on loan. But 
he may be playing well enough that he is going to have a shot at getting in at Tottenham. Yeah, he is, particularly the way Jose Mourinho plays football yeah, as yeah. well. I think he's he's sort of tailor-made for that, to be honest. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he was if he was in around the first-team squad. But yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It would take Norwich to get promoted because then they could package it as a new challenge for him. Hadn't played in the, hasn't played much in the Premier League, rather. Um, that would be a full season of Premier League football, wouldn't it? And that would uh, that would further his development. But he's, he's he's been really excellent. I think the the problem with with loan signings, particularly when they're sort of young lads from from bigger clubs, they can get maybe lost a little bit. They've come from an elite training ground, as we saw Marcus Edwards, and, and maybe the attitude isn't quite there, or maybe they think they're someone they're not. I mean, Josh Martin is an example of someone who's been very honest about thinking that when he arrived from from Arsenal. So it, it, he's kind of taken everything in his stride, and, and I think that's the, the best thing you can say about him. He doesn't look phased by much. He doesn't look like a player who's, what, 20 years of age. He looks like he's he's played a lot of a, a lot of games at senior level. He's just so composed and so reliable and so dependable, which at this stage of his career is a, a really wonderful trait to have. And um, you can certainly see why Mourinho has, has, has said what he said about him in terms of being a future Spurs captain and whatnot, because he has the intangible elements and he's not afraid to, to shout at Grant Hanley, which is, which is brave, <laughs> I think, for anyone. Um, but, but also he's, he's a really classy operator on the ball as well and, and, and the way he moves it. But positionally, I think he's come on leaps and bounds since the start of the season. When I think about that first game at Huddersfield, um, whether that's him understanding the system a bit more or, or whatever, I'm not sure. But he's, uh, he's, been, he's been a joy to watch. And yeah, like I say, you're right, it does go under the radar, but consistently he's been probably around a seven every game, I'd say, for Norwich City. And um, it's been a difficult role to make Norwich City look fairly secure without Alex Tetti. And, and, and he's done it so far. Yeah, they are very demanding of each other. There was a moment where Campwell sort of screamed at Zimmerman in the first half because he didn't get a pass and, then, and Zimmerman had gone back to McGovern. So they 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 do, yeah, they ask a lot of each other. Um, let's be picky, Pad. The, uh, the, the, probably the one part of things today where you could say that they they need more from against Watford in the games to come is the, the number 10 position. Mario Rancic gets the nod ahead of Steepman today and then Steepman comes on for the sort of final 10 minutes. But it didn't, didn't really happen for Mario, did it? And, and Steepman is not really in his flow at the moment either. So it kind of looks, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, sort of tailor-made for Kieran Dow to, to grasp if he can really hit his straps. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to retain that Puki and then three attacking pivots from midfield behind him, then there's two shoe-ins, Cantwell and Buendia either side. So there really is only one spot up for grabs. And, of course, you have to throw him to the mix there now, Poeta when he's fit, Hernandez when he's fit. And then the two you mentioned, Vrancic and Stephenman. But ultimately, I think Dowell is going to be the one who, if he can stay fit, <coughs> that's, the, that's the key, Um he he probably will emerge as and and to be honest that I think was in Stuart and Daniel's mind when they recruited him that they hadn't I mean there was many things wrong with the Premier League season but it was very obvious and obviously they tried to rectify it the last January with Andre Duda's loan and that didn't work at all so they tried to remedy that remedy that in the summer by bringing in Kieran Dowell um, and because of injuries not really been able to stamp his authority but yeah there's no doubt that there is a vacancy there and uh, I don't think. You could argue Kenny McLean for me today and midweek has really put his hand up and said, OK, yeah, Lucas Rupp was the man, but I'm staking a claim here to play alongside Ollie Skip. I think with the greatest respect to Mario and Marco, they haven't done that in the last couple of outings. And uh, as a result, I think it will be Kieran Dale before long will be starting games. And uh, Mario will have to go back to being a super sub, I think. 
Mm, we shall see. But I'm sure they've both got parts to play and both have played their part in this first half of the season. They've both been good servants for Farker. And, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have thought if their time is coming towards an end that it will be in January. I mean, I, I think the club are looking to... To keep things pretty quiet, really, in January. And I mean, even even left back. That I know that's the one we're talking about. But yeah. there's no guarantee, is there? Because because of the in- injuries clearing up. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm just musing to myself in the second half that you know this this idea that you know Javi Cunha, by all accounts, is available hopefully um, from Tuesday onwards of next week, and that as soon as he's fit, goodbye Jakob Sorensen. I think the way Jakob Sorensen is adapting to that role now noticeably for me in the last three or four games he's added that attacking dimension which he wasn't adding in the previous eight or nine games uh, which was what I thought Javier Quintia's strongest suit was what he did with the ball in terms of his delivery into the box so if Jakob Sorensen is, is offering us that dimension as well I think he's probably as good and probably a better defender than Javier Quintia so by no means is it shooing for me that Quintier comes back at the expense of Sorensen um, and also Sam Byram has to be in the mix when he is hopefully available in January. We probably need to get an update uh, from Daniel before, before the Watford game on, on where Sam Byram is but that was the original timescale so it does feel like that is the one area but as has been proven you know Jacob Sorensen's performances probably lessen the urgency to go into the window and get in a left back but I just think ultimately his future at Norwich City lies in a central midfield role. We're talking about Ollie Skip um, and all the other players, but if Ollie Skip is going back to Tottenham and isn't coming back, then there's going to be a vacancy and maybe Sorensen is the one moving forward. So they do need to address it. Sam McCallum won't be coming back in January. They want to keep him at Coventry and get him some more experience of Championship football week in, week out. So it will be interesting how they go about it. Do they bring in a somebody who's ready to go here and now or or is it just somebody who's a bit more of a recognised left back and comfortable in that position but you know don't rule out Jacob Sorensen continuing because I think he's going to be hard to shift yeah and, and Mumba when he came into that role it just looked like they had another Max Aarons on the other side didn't it it was more like when it was Aarons and Lewis as, as the fullbacks the the big one for me is is Byram if, if Byram's body is ready for it and he is back to full fitness you know I think most people would probably agree he was better than Jamal Lewis in the Premier League last year when he was when he was fit and firing so if he can rediscover that kind of form and slot in at that left back position to allow Jacob Sorensen to to move into midfield when when needed then that would be major major addition to the team I, I think and could maybe even be sort of the the final piece in the jigsaw because Kintia we weren't convinced by him defensively yet. Well, we've not seen enough of him. We didn't see him adjust to England enough to have made a final judgment on him. But clearly, he had a good ball, a good uh, uh, cross on him. But Norwich aren't playing to crosses, really, are they? They're not playing Hugo very often. So uh, that one for me it, it would be would be huge if they can get Byram in there. And and I do wonder with with Sorensen whether this spell at left back might just in the long run make him a better player if he is going to be Alex Tetty's long term successor as Norwich's. Uh, Scandinavian defensive midfield, uh, tenacious, um, unselfish midfield player, then who knows, this stint at left-back might might have just finished him off nicely. But um, that will finish off the pod nicely as well. 
segue alert. Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening to uh, this pod, uh, all the pods throughout this year. We do our best to, to try and bring you one every week, uh, particularly during the uh, flow of the season. Um, have a great Christmas. Have a safe Christmas uh, above all this year. And um, if you haven't already watched our Christmas party, essentially, which was Pink and Live 2, uh, that is on all, all our channels, all our video channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, you can watch that back. And we had a good bit of fun. We were joined by Ian Clark, who had his Norwich City Festive 11. Uh, Phil Mould Wine and Sherry Alcock were both in there, which were <laughs> excellent, some real good contributions. We were joined by Spud, who had a... Brilliant story about when he ran around Carrow Road in his pants to celebrate a Christmas victory. Uh, we had Terry Westgate on. We had Dave Hannon, us three as well. Um, we John Rogers allowed us to play his um, Christmas song, his sort of ode to Christoph Zimmerman. Uh, I wish I could be Christoph for a day, which is all in favour, uh, all in aid of raising funds for the neonatal intensive care unit at the NNN Hospital. Um, so. If you haven't seen that, by all means, go and find that on John's Twitter. And uh, if you can spare a couple of quid, uh, do, because it's a great cause. And he's raised a, a lot of money for a, a cause close to his heart. So uh, do go and take that, uh, take a look at that. It's not really been dated too much by, by today's game. Uh, otherwise, just wanted to give a quick plug to the sticker book as well. If you haven't got one yet, you can go to pinkandshop.co.uk and you can buy a book and 50 packs of stickers for 25 quid in a Christmas bundle, pinkandshop.co.uk, that is. And don't forget as well, if you are collecting, that there's a voucher in the EDP and the Evening News every day, um, two on Saturdays as well, which uh, gets you a, a free pack, and of course you get the paper for the for, for the same sort of price then as well. So um, we've had over 60,000 of those vouchers redeemed so far since the sticker book launched in uh, October, I think it was. This... this <laughs> A year is also blurring into one because <laughs> it's been such a busy and, and strange year. But uh, we'll leave it there. Norwich flying high, five points clear at the top of the championship. Christmas number one. And his fingers crossed that they can build on that at Watford on Boxing Day and that we can continue with this positivity heading into 2021. Because I've got a feeling with everything that's gone on this year, COVID looking like it just wants to give us all one last kick before it goes away that some positivity will be very welcome. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>